start with the usual disclaimer um, that, as always, the remarks I'll give today reflect my own views and not necessarily those of my colleagues. Um, but if you've been following my voting record, that's not a surprise. <laughs> Um, so to get started, um, it's uh, uh, a pleasure to give, I'm giving the economic outlook, I'll be talking about the economic outlook here, um, national economic outlook. Um, the important thing to remember about it is that we're in a period of transition, uh, it's sort of uh, the context we're in. Um, there's the three-year period leading up to last year, about the second quarter of last year, we saw was a period of above average growth of real GDP, gross domestic product, um, our broadest measure of economic activity, uh, grew at a 3.7, uh, 3.8% annual rate over that period. Now, to put that in perspective, to appreciate the strength of that performance, the trend rate of growth, what it has been averaging over time based on growth in the labor force and growth in labor productivity, output per person, um, is more like 3%. Um, so we've had, um, up into the middle of last year, a string of growth, uh, growth experience that was well above average. Labor market conditions significantly improved over that time period. As a result, um, we created uh, 5.4 million uh, new jobs. The unemployment rate fell by a full 1.5 percentage points. And with jobs increasingly plentiful, household spending uh, surged as well. Real per capita consumption, the way we re uh, measure uh, consumer spending, uh, best, rose at about a 2.6% annual rate over that period. It was a very robust uh, rate for, uh, for, for per capita consumption. Now, even as their spending increased, uh, consumers continued to build wealth over that period. A household net worth increased by 31% to reach a level equal to five years of their own uh, personal income. Uh, now, that it might not be immediately obvious the import of that, but um, because there's this popular perception that, uh, gosh, Americans are running up a lot of debt. Um, but they, over this period, consumption grew fairly rapidly and uh, net worth grew as well. But uh, since we're not in like global time, we can't be above average forever. Uh, so that's the nature of the transition we're in right now. Indeed, in the second quarter of last year, real GDP grew at only a 2.6% uh, annual rate, and in the third quarter, it dropped to 2.0%. And it's likely that growth remains below that, uh, below average for the fourth quarter as well. Now, since growth has clearly slowed, it's been going on for several months now, it's been obvious, the question on people's minds is what next? For some guidance, I think it's useful to look back to similar episodes in the past. In the long expansions of the 1980s and 1990s, uh, we saw um, conditions that resembled the current expansion in a lot of notable ways. Both of them were unusually long expansions by historical standards. Both of them saw substantial increases in production, employment, and uh, household wealth. In both of those expansions, there was a, a somewhat bumpy transition between an early high-growth phase and a period of several years of more average uh, trend-like growth. 
for example, in the cyclical expansion of the 1990s, uh, that, that was an expansion that was the longest in our nation's history. Uh, in the midst of that, there was a period of strong growth. Uh, there was a two-quarter period in early 1995 that I'd point to, in which real GDP grew at only nine-tenths of a percent at an annual rate. Uh, and that weakness was driven in part by housing, weakness in the housing market. So that, that slow growth for those two quarters was followed by several quarters of subpar growth. And, but then real GDP accelerated and grew at, as, as we all know, in the late 1990s at a, um, a very strong rate. So I think this example um, suggests that we shouldn't be discouraged by a little period of slow growth as we make this transition from above-average growth to growth at, at a more uh, trend-like rate. The distinguishing feature of the current tr transition is the magnitude of the adjustment in the housing market. Uh, and that comes at a, uh, the end of an amazing decade-long uh, run in housing. The home ownership rate, the fraction of households that own uh, homes, has increased by a, a full four percentage points uh, from 1995 to 2005, pretty, a fairly large move in that series. The number of houses built per year increased by 46% over that 10-year period. Some observers have called this extraordinary behavior of the housing market in recent years a bubble, um, but I don't find that term uh, particularly useful um, or particularly accurate. Uh, and it's because I, I think the housing market can be explained uh, by some solid fundamentals. First of all, there's good reason for the home ownership rate to rise and for homeowners to spend more on housing. Before 1995, the prevailing view um, was that uh, real that productivity and by implication real per capita income was likely to increase at about 1% per year. Since then, this is, uh, as is well known, uh, productivity growth has been dramatically higher. It's been 3% since then. And uh, people base their investment plans on current and prospective income growth. Um, so it's not surprising that households have moved increasingly from renting to buying their own home, uh, making more investments. Second, inflation fell below 2% in the mid-1990s and stayed there for quite a while until recently. And over time, financial market participants became more confident that inflation would remain low and stable. That, in turn, led to low mortgage rates, and that, of course, had a stimulating effect on the housing market. Thus, in the beginning of 1995, the 30-year mortgage rate was above 9%. By 2003, it had fallen to below 6%. Even now, uh, it's below 7 fairly low by historical standards. That reduced the relative price of housing services, the price of housing services relative to other goods and services in the economy, and so led to an increase in demand. People wanted to increase the share of housing expenses uh, in their overall spending. Now, satisfying the growth um, in housing demand has required new construction and new land. Now, it, it seems as if the supply of construction services is fairly elastic, uh, meaning that the price cost of, of construction services doesn't have to go up that much when the demand goes up. But in some localities, um, geography and zoning regulations combine to severely limit uh, 
uh, the, the supply of buildable lots. So uh, as, as a result, the overall supply of housing uh, in those localities uh, can be fairly inelastic. Increases in demand in locations like that generate increases in price um, as well as quantity. And uh, people priced out of the market uh, for close in-housing tend to look elsewhere. For example, places where the commute isn't quite as good. So we have great illustrations of this within the Federal Reserve District. In Charlotte, population, uh, income, and employment have grown very rapidly from 1995 to 2005. Uh, but they have ample supplies of usable land. Uh, and so 224,000 new building permits were issued. The price of an existing home increased by a relatively modest 4.2% per year over that span. Washington, D.C., in contrast, is an area with also with uh, rapid uh, growth in population, income, and employment, and uh, 395,000 new homes were built over that period. But unlike Charlotte, the supply of uh, new lots was much more limited close in uh, to Washington, D.C. Accordingly, the average price of an existing home in, Washington, in the Washington area increased at 10% per year for 10 years, from 1995 to 2005, and as you may know, uh, that rate of increase was even higher uh, in 04 and 05, uh, above 20%. Richmond's experience has been roughly halfway between the two, um, to, just to, to, to fill you in about that. So we had these contrasting experiences where the difference in price appreciation depended on the difference in the elasticity of supply of, of buildable lots, essentially. Uh, to do both geography and, and uh, to a substantial extent in Washington, uh, zoning restrictions. Now, this, this secular increase in the demand for housing was apparently satisfied in many markets by the end of 2005. And nationwide, home building has fallen dramatically uh, since then, uh, by 23% from uh, 2005 through November of 2006. The pipeline of new construction projects uh, was not scaled back as rapidly as the demand for housing fell over that time period, however. Um, so we now have a substantial uh, inventory of um, new and existing homes to sell in many locations around the country. Production of new homes is going to have to undershoot demand uh, for uh, some time in order to work off the backlog, the excess uh, inventory of uh, homes for sale. Indeed, new housing starts have fallen 23, 24% excuse me, through November of last year. And the inventory overhang that remains uh, suggests that that undershooting is going to have to continue for a while, at least several mo more months. Looking ahead, though, there are some tentative signs um, and I think, and they're becoming less tentative over time, but they're tentative signs that uh, the demand for housing has uh, stabilized. New home sales have bumped around a million units at an annual rate for the last several months, since, since the middle of the summer at least. And the uh, new purchase mortgage applications, applications for mortgages in connection with the purchase of new homes, has risen over 12% since the summer. Now, if these tentative signs are confirmed in, uh, new, in the more complete data we're going to get in the coming months, then that suggests that new home construction only needs to lag new home sales 
for long enough to work off the current bulge in inventories. And we aren't going to build off, we aren't going to build up any new excess inventories in the months ahead. My expectation is for housing starts to realign with sales around the middle of this year sometime. Obviously, there's a risk that new home sales uh, deteriorate uh, unexpectedly, and if so, the adjustment could take longer, but I don't expect that to happen. In any event, the weakness in housing is going to continue to be a drag on overall ec economic activity in the first half of this year. But that effect is likely to wane gradually um, over the course of the year, the year progresses. But I seriously doubt it's going to be um, but enough of a drag to tip the economy into recession. Um, I've been saying that for um, a year now, um, and uh, increasingly the data has confirmed uh, that that seems to be the case. My doubts about that, whether it would tip this, housing would tip us into inflation, have stemmed from the fact that residential housing investment accounts for less than 6% of U.S. economic activity, measured by GDP, for example. Household consumption, consumer spending, accounts for 70% of GDP. And the outlook for consumer spending looks quite strong right now. For the first three quarters of last year, consumer spending has increased at a healthy 3.4% annual rate. And it looks like the, four, the fourth quarter is going to be pretty strong uh, as well. That growth in spending has been underpinned by very strong labor markets uh, and, a sol and solid income growth. Uh, as a result, labor markets are fairly tight, as indicated by a 4.5% unemployment rate. Real disposable income uh, increased at a strong rate in the third quarter, and there are signs that real wage gains are uh, improving. Wages and salaries, as measured by the Employment Cost Index, for example, in increased at a 3.6% rate. Uh, annual rate in the second and third quarters of last year, and that's the best two-quarter rate uh, in almost five years. So the question on people's minds has been whether the housing uh, market weakness could spill over and weaken consumption and spending as well. That's been the main risk people have seen uh, regarding housing. Res as residential investment contracts, uh, construction employment is certainly going to decline, and we've seen some of that uh, since February of last year. Um, so far, residential construction employment has shed 134,000 jobs since February. At the same time, however, other segments of the economy are doing well. And overall, pay payrolls have expanded 1.5 million jobs in that time period. This again reflects the small size of residential investment uh, relative to the overall economy. Although the overall outlook for construction employment to, is for construction employment to continue to weaken uh, for at least several more months, a, a decline commensurate with the decline we've already seen in housing starts is only going to have a minor effect on total employment. I've said many times before that the outlook for consumer spending is largely determined by current but especially expected future income prospects. Consumer income prospects depend in turn, in turn on uh, job conditions, job market conditions, and I expect the overall job market to uh, continue to expand, even after accounting for further losses in home building. It's worth pointing out that as GDP uh, growth slowed in the last half of 2006, the economy kept generating new jobs, 160,000 new jobs per month on average, and that compares very favorably 
the 120,000 new jobs per month that would be needed to keep pace with the growth in the working age population. That rapid growth um, has contributed to, as I said, pushing the unemployment rate down to 4.5%, and it's also allowed the labor force participation rate, the fraction of the working age population that's uh, either looking for work or is actively employed, to increase modestly as well. The tighter labor market has also contributed to healthy wage gains. Uh, we're hearing reports of uh, uh, pockets of skill shortages in various industries around our district, and from my colleagues, I hear similar reports from around the country. Last year, the rate of growth in average hourly earnings increased by a full percentage point. I expect the labor market to remain fairly tight going forward, and so as a result, I expect, I expect a solid wage and salary growth this year uh, going forward. So income prospects look pretty good for 2007, and it seems like a fairly safe bet uh, that consumer spending will hold up pretty well uh, as well. We've talked about residential investment, consumer spending. What about business investment spending? And here the, the fundamentals look very favorable as well. Business profitability is high, uh, and the cost of capital is relatively low, uh, even with interest rates having increased over the last couple of years. In many industries, uh, demand looks strong, and capacity utilization is high. With these fundamentals in mind, it shouldn't be a surprise that real business investment um, has grown at a robust rate, 9.3% uh, at an annual rate in the first three quarters of last year, uh, similar to the rates we saw in 04 and 05. It's especially noteworthy that um, we've seen uh, strong growth in investment in non-residential structures, uh, so uh, commercial, uh, factories, uh, retail space, and the like. Some leaders in new construction were hospitals, which increased at 15% at an annual rate um, over the first three quarters of last year. Uh, offices, which increased 20%, stores increased 21%, and hotels, which increased 47%. Adding to this momentum in uh, non-residential construction, many analysts expect to see a burst in, of new investment in computers and related products related to the uh, changeover to Microsoft's new uh, Vista operating system. All in all, it seems pretty reasonable to expect business investment to continue uh, to contribute very positively to growth and overall economic activity going forward. So the outlook for 2007 on the real side then is for continued strength in consumer spending and business investment to be partially offset, uh, particularly in the beginning of the year, by a drag from residential uh, investment. Growth is going to start the year on the low side, I think, uh, but it should be back to 3% by the end of the year. So my best guess now for average growth in real GDP over this period is between two and two and two and a half and two and three quarters uh, for 2007. A month ago uh, or two, this forecast would have been somewhat higher than the consensus of widely quoted analysts. But the data since then have been stronger uh, than a lot of those observers expected, particularly the very robust data on consumer spending and employment. And as a result, many analysts have marked up their outlooks. So now the, the outlook I've been I've presented, which I've been presenting for a couple of months now, uh, is now fairly mainstream. There are two risks to this outlook. Got to mention the risks from the central banker. Uh, one is it, it's plausible, although decreasingly so. Uh, 
that uh, housing demand has, hasn't quite stabilized and may decline a little bit going forward, but we don't see any signs of that, and the longer we go without seeing signs, I think the more confident we can be that, that we're not going to see any further fall-off in housing demand. Second, I'll note that there's substantial uncertainty surrounding oil prices, and this for me is, is the kind of the central um, risk uh, to the economy. Um, this risk is likely to be with us for some time, uh, judging from uh, factors affecting the, the global balance of, of demand and supply in oil markets. And it cuts both ways, as recent experience has shown. Uh, the two-sided risk, oil prices uh, could fall, oil prices could rise, and either um, have implications for macroeconomic growth. So this leaves inflation. What about inflation? Last year was di very disappointing on the inflation front. Inflation, according to our generally preferred measure, the core PCE price index, has been running above 2% since early 2004, and it's run at 2.3% at an annual rate uh, through November of last year. Forecasters um, throughout last year were hoping for an imminent moderation in, in core inflation. Uh, and until recently, evidence of such a moderation has been scant. The November inflation reports, however, have provided some tentative evidence suggesting a moderating trend. For example, the three-month average rate of inflation in core PCE price index fell to 1.8% in November. That inflation uh, measure has exhibited substantial oscillations, however. It fell to 1.8% in February of last year, uh, before rising to 2.9% within three months when energy prices surged. In view of that recent record, it's going to take several months' worth of uh, data to provide statistically convincing evidence of a moderation of inflation. And in the meantime, the risk that core inflation surges again or does not subside as desired clearly remains the most predominant macroeconomic risk. Let me add a footnote here regarding wage rates and the inflation outlook. Some observers have viewed robust wage growth as a cause of inflationary pressures, and that's not a view I share. We can have healthy wage growth without inflation as long as we see commensurate growth in labor productivity, uh, the output per worker <coughs> index. In fact, over time, real, that is to say inflation-adjusted compensation, tracks productivity growth fairly well, uh, though they don't move in lockstep uh, from quarter to quarter. I'd note again that, that uh, the rate of growth in productivity uh, shifted higher beginning in the middle of 1990s. And while productivity growth is notoriously hard to forecast in the early 90s, we thought it would remain low for a while, I, I, think, it's, I think reasonably strong productivity growth um, is likely uh, to continue, and I think it's going to warrant um, fairly strong growth in real wages going forward. What would concern me, and we have not seen this yet, would be a persistent increase in wage growth that was not matched by a commensurate increase in labor productivity growth. Ultimately, an increase in wage growth of that type uh, would lead to uh, higher inflation pressures and ultimately higher inflation unless we attempt to counteract that. So again, uh, thank you uh, for uh, the opportunity to deliver the broadest address, and uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to doing it again. I welcome your questions. Thank you very much.